I'm Danini Erasmus. Welcome to another episode of The Weekly Wrap. This is a podcast in which I will tell you about some of the top articles from the latest edition of Farmers Weekly. And we will also take a look at the week's biggest agricultural news stories. On shelf this week is the 17 September issue. And our main feature in this issue looks at the use of embryo flushing in livestock breeding to speed up genetic improvement. Readers can also learn more about new guava cultivars and about a producer of apple cider from the Western Cape, who recently won a number of international awards. Let's first take a closer look at this week's main livestock feature. To stay ahead in the breeding game, farmers have to continuously improve the genetics of their animals. The Stoffbergs, owners of Pladdrif Sussex Stud in the Western Cape, makes use of embryo flushing to attain this goal. Peter Stoffberg explains that embryo flushing is a breeding technique entailing the collection of embryos from donor cows and implanting these into surrogate cows, who then carry the embryos to term. As with any type of breeding, donor and surrogate cows have to be in a good condition for a positive outcome. The donor cows are super ovulated and artificially inseminated. A month later, the embryos are surgically removed and graded according to their quality in a laboratory. The embryos are then ready to be implanted into a surrogate directly thereafter or frozen for future use. Surrogates receive hormone treatment to ensure successful implantation. Stoffberg says the take percentage is between 40 and 50 percent with embryo flushing and this is in comparison with roughly 70 percent when making use of artificial insemination. But he says the take percentage is somewhat higher if you use fresh embryos for direct transfer instead of frozen embryos. The main advantage of embryo flushing is that it allows farmers to produce more offspring from their top cows. Stoffbach explains that cows can be flushed every two months to produce offspring, whereas only one or two offspring can be produced per year via natural breeding techniques or artificial insemination. The 17 September issue also features trials being conducted by the Agricultural Research Council to breed new guava varieties. With guava wilt disease obliterating the guava industry in the rest of the country, production is now set to grow substantially in the Western Cape, which is so far still free from this highly contagious fungal disease. Whether farmers in the Western Cape take this opportunity will greatly depend on the guava's potential to compete with other fruit. Jacques Jordan, CEO of the Guava Producers Association, explains that the, at the association's annual general meeting that guava orchards are relatively cheap to establish in comparison with other orchards and can last substantially longer. But the market is cyclic, with huge ups and downs, and margins are generally not that great, as roughly 70% of all guavas end up in the juicing market which does not really justify the high cost of labor. Jordan says that finding ways to divert more fruit to the fresh market 
which accounts for roughly 20% of fruit, will render guava production more financially viable. To help facilitate this shift, the Agricultural Research Council's Tropical and Subtropical Crops Division initiated a cultivar evaluation and production program at the Bien Don Research Farm near Simondium in the Western Cape. The program started out in 2017 with the planting of 34 promising selections, which were expanded by another eight in 2019. So far, out of all of the ones that were planted, five new varieties were identified as promising based on fruit characteristics relating to fruit size, taste and quality. But none of these are resistant to any of the guava wilted disease strains. Lucno, a cultivar imported by Citragold from India, proved to have resistance to all prevalent strains, but it fell out of this group because it has white flesh, which is still relatively unknown in the South African market. The last feature I want to talk about this week is about Loxstonia, an apple, pear and plum export farm, which has successfully branched into cider production using fresh apples to produce award-winning ciders. Loxstonia Cider was recently awarded the overall champion at the 11th International Cider Challenge. In 1990, Larry Whitfield bought Loxstonia, which was then a prune farm outside Ceres. He redeveloped the farm into an export apple, pear and plum farm and started experimenting with cider in 2013 as an alternative usage for small and blemished apples. Initially, Whitfield only experimented with different cultivars and yeast combinations during the apple season. He says they made the decision right from the start that in order to be successful, they would need to differentiate themselves from other ciders available on the market. That's how they came up with their from orchard to bottle concept, because nobody else was doing it. Whitfield says most of their competitors are buying from the concentrate market, whereas they are making cider from freshly milled apples. This concept has led them to become fanatical about quality and traceability of all the ingredients that goes into their ciders. They currently produce a range of eight ciders. Let's now quickly look at some of the top agricultural news from the last week. There is uncertainty about whether poultry farmers affected by the most recent outbreak of avian flu will receive government payouts. 2,7 million chickens have already been culled since an outbreak of the disease in South Africa in April, but it is unclear where the government will compensate farmers for all losses. Isaac Breitenbach, the CEO of the South African Poultry Association, said many farmers are still struggling to receive compensation for animals culled during the 27 avian flu influenza outbreak. At the end of August, advocacy organization Fair Play said in a statement that government's decision not to compensate poultry farmers for culling was short-sighted. The organization said that this will hamper control in future outbreaks. Breitenbach said the culling of birds 
have been especially tough for the Poultry Association's emerging members. He says that they have two, roughly 269 egg producers who all have between 5,000 and 200,000 layer hens. But many of these farmers had to cull all of their chickens and have so far simply not been able to replace them again. Now for news on crop production. South Africa is on track to produce a record volume of canola, according to the first production forecast for winter grains released by the Crop Estimates Committee. The area planted to canola was expected to increase by almost 34% to 100,000 hectares. This was projected to result in a near record canola harvest of 195,000 tonnes, up 18% from the previous season. The outlook for malting barley was, however, much less favourable. According to the Crops Estimate Committee, the malting barley yield for the coming season was expected to amount to about 356,000 tonnes, which was 40% less than the previous season's crop. Paul Makube, the senior agricultural economist at FNB Agribusiness, ascribed this large decrease in malting barley production to the impact that COVID-19-related trade and other restrictions had on the value chain. This included bans on liquor sales, which reduced malting barley demand. In other news, South Africa's economy expanded 1.2% quarter-on-quarter, with transport, storage and communications making the largest contribution at 6.9%. This was followed by agriculture, which made a 6.2% contribution to the increase in GDP, according to data released by Statistics South Africa. Davi Maria, the head of information and marketing at FNB Agriculture, said he expected agriculture's contribution to be in the region of 10%, thanks to favorable production conditions. The summer grain and citrus seasons, nevertheless, ran later than usual, so their full impact is only now expected to be evident in the next term. According to Wandile Schlobel, chief economist at Agbiz, the figures were confirming what had been seen on the ground. South Africa has had its second biggest grain harvest and a record citrus season, with deciduous fruit and wine grape industries all on recovery paths. Thanks to favorable climatic conditions and prices, Sushloba said for this reason, the agricultural business chamber expected the farming industry to expand by 6 to 7% over the year as a whole. That was it for this week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Weekly Wrap. Join us again next week when one of my colleagues will discuss some of the features from the 24 September issue, in which we focus on improvement that can be made to the feeding of dairy cows to increase their milk production while reducing greenhouse gas emissions. We also speak to a couple from the Eastern Cape, who have dedicated themselves to the conservation of Southern Africa's small wildcats, such as the black-footed cat. You can also read about the dangers of glyphosate buildup in orchards. 
Remember to follow us on social media for all the latest farming news and updates. We are on Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn at Farmers Weekly SA. Until next week, stay safe and happy farming.